0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to my favorite Atlanta Business Radio episode, our Women in Technology segment. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Galley, and I'm joined, of course, by the Executive Director of WIT, Miss Sandy Welfare. So Sandy, I've been looking forward to this particular segment since last month, since we talked on our last episode, um, because we have some pretty incredible women in studio with us today, and it's the the recipients of the WIT Women of the Year Awards. Um, so before we jump in with them, can you talk a little bit about what's coming up with WIT in 2018, any events and programs that are coming?
2: So we have a big planning meeting coming up on January 27th, so really just getting ready to. Outline what WIT Girls, WIT Campus, and some of the specific programs for WIT Forums will be about. So, this month, of course, will be WIT Forums with these four lovely ladies. Yeah. And then uh, throughout the rest of the year, it's going to be interesting um, around. AI, uh, virtual reality, and some other interesting topics. Up.
1: Oh wow! How did you guys decide on AI? Was that just an up-and-coming thing? Twenty eighteen. Well,
2: we we have a planning committee that has a pretty interesting debate around what's the hot topic. And so last month we did it on the digital entertainment industry. Okay. And the guy Matt did a overview of how they use green screen and all these different cool technologies, uh, virtual reality, augmented. And so for everyone in the audience is really like one of those great learning experiences. So for for me, I get excited just to see and hear about what's new.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited for you guys. Absolutely. So who did you bring with you today?
2: So I bought our 2017 Women of the Year Award winners. And so uh, to my left, um, of course, I have Denise Hines, Jen Bonet. And then to my right, I have Dean Alave and Connie.
1: Well, welcome, guys! I'm so glad you uh, you all decided to come in the studio today. It's a full house, and I'm really excited to learn about what you each do and just how your experience was at the awards. So, um, Maryam, do you want to just start kick us off and tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, my name is Maryam Alavi, and I'm the dean at Georgia Tech's Scheller College of Business. And mm-hmm. uh, in this role, I'm responsible for the strategy as well as all the ongoing activities. Uh, of this uh, top-ranked uh, business college.
1: Nice. And I know um my sister actually just graduated from Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago, so that's a you know I mean a huge graduating class. It was oh, great. Wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Do You want to kick us off, Connie? Would uh, tell everybody what you do? Yes. Um
0: I'm Connie Taylor. I'm a VP of R&D at Manhattan Associates. We're a omnichannel supply chain commerce software company here in Atlanta. Um, I am responsible for our omnichannel and inventory products. So I've been in uh, software development about over 25 years, so wow. I've been a software geek for a long time.
1: <laughs> How'd you get interested in software? I've always loved
0: problem solving. I was actually a mathlete in high school. So, wow, look uh, at yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so it's just been something I've always been passionate about and loved.
1: Nice. Well, that's really cool that you get to do it every day now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, Denise, how about you?
4: Hi, good morning, everyone. I'm Denise Hines, and I am the CEO of eHealth Services Group, and I also serve as the Executive Director for the Georgia Health Information Network. And in my role and with my team's role, we work with healthcare providers to help them implement technology so that um, patients and providers can have access to their health information um, using technology instead of paper.
1: Okay. Well, cool. I like that a lot. And Jen, how about you? Yeah. Good morning. This is Jen Bonet.
5: I am the currently the general manager of the Advanced Technology Development Center, ATDC. We are Georgia's technology incubator. So we yeah. serve entrepreneurs in Georgia across the state, specifically focused on technology products. We are part of Georgia Tech, a nonprofit entity. Uh, kind of some interesting stats last year. We served 2,700 entrepreneurs through our education programs. That's wow. unique individuals while coaching about 160 companies. Um, To give you some perspective in our history, the most companies we've really ever coached was 40. So we're hoping we have a significant economic impact five to 10 years from now. We had a press release this morning. So you're here to hear it first is our companies, the 160 companies that are currently in the incubator program raised over $130 million this past year, investment capital. And we believe we we have some problems tracking some of our historical data, but Mm -hmm. we believe that is the most ever.
1: Wow. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm really excited to learn more about each of you guys. Um, So to kick it off, I mean, just coming off of the WIT Awards and just how you're also involved and entrenched in the technology industry, just with the speed um, and the change in the STEAM fields that you guys are in, um, what do you feel are the leadership qualities that might inspire future leaders, both male and female? And, uh, Marion, we can start with you.
3: Uh, yes, uh, I think about this issue a lot uh, in my role as dean of a great business college at Georgia Tech because yeah. the idea here is to develop and gr- have graduates that are going to be leading businesses and various organizations uh, to be leaders and not the followers. And uh, one of the important things that we have come up with in terms of a strategy is. The world is changing so very rapidly as a result of technology, digitization, and globalization that the future leaders, in addition to the traditional skills of leadership, they have to have additional competencies. And more specific, some of the competencies that we focus on to develop in our business students is learning how to learn because the world is going to be changing on an ongoing basis. The other aspect, of course, is uh, being able to uh, be tech savvy and uh, analytical because digitization is leading to oceans of data that could be very effectively analyzed uh, for decision-making purposes. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, uh, the other area is uh, this whole issue that um, we have to have, all of us, all leaders have to have entrepreneurial mindsets. Because increasingly, as a result of constant change, the only way to compete effectively and to be able to uh, be successful in business uh, and in society, for that matter, is through innovation. So uh, having these new skills is extremely important because for everybody, and particularly women, to make sure they have the requisite competencies to lead in the future and to build and make them more confident.
1: I love that. And um, going off that entrepreneurial mindset, so, in, you know, learning how to learn, how would you go about uh, just imparting that upon the students that you guys teach? I mean, because it's being an entrepreneur, you know, it does take that that creative mind. So how do you really
3: teach that? Exactly. And uh, we teach that by really working very closely with a number of uh, business partners and by tying back into Tech Square, which is where we are located in Midtown Atlanta, uh, Tech Square, as Jen was pointing out, um, has uh, a, a very large number of startups, high tech startups. It has uh, high tech companies, and is home to about seventeen innovation centers of some of the Fortune five hundred companies, uh, likes of Delta Airlines and AT and And we as a educational institution, as a business school, really tie back into and leverage this amazing ecosystem of innovation and entrepreneurship by providing unparalleled learning opportunities for our students uh, in terms of experiential learning and working on various uh, projects and getting fair amount of coaching from our faculty, as well as these amazing organizations that are co-located with us.
1: Oh that's I mean that's really great. I know Jen you were talking about how ATDC and you're just saying they're connected. So can you elaborate a yeah, little bit?
5: Yeah, so um you know what you said a little bit about the entrepreneur mindset for everybody is really important and mm-hmm. and that a lot of that is learning how to learn. The other component is risk, right? Mm-hmm. And being yeah. willing to take a risk. And I think that's probably something that both Connie and Denise have excelled at in in their roles is helping their employees understand that taking a risk is okay, right? And and they can probably talk more to that. That
0: kind of not having to have all the answers and make a decision and dealing with ambiguity is pretty critical as a leader. And I see that a lot of people, uh, maybe women especially, are perfectionists, and we want to have all the answers and all the data before we make a decision. And that's in this uh, day and time and with the amount of change, it's really not possible Mm -hmm. to do that.
4: Well, I, I want to piggyback a little bit on what uh, Miriam and Jen were talking about when it comes to innovation, because I'm in health technology. So we 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 span the full gamut of making sure we have true, tried, and proven health technology solutions, but also the billion-dollar innovative industry that's happening in healthcare. And I've heard, already heard the words digitization of um, healthcare information. But also the uh, innovation of artificial intelligence and virtual reality that's taking over healthcare now. And so we have to be prepared to um, use the proven technologies in healthcare, but also be prepared to embrace innovation and the um, investments into newer technologies that are um, being um, presented in health technology.
1: Yeah, so um, going off that with the new innovations, how do you discern, um, I mean, I I imagine people are coming up with things all the time, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset, trying to create and be Mm -hmm. in these different spaces. So how do you discern which innovations to really, I guess, go uh, back, get behind and really go into?
4: And that's where organizations, as uh, Jen has talked about, um, that provides the space and Mm -hmm. the opportunity to bring um, the entrepreneurs who are willing to take risks and bring in the the. Subject matter experts and the the users of the technology to help them craft solutions to uh, solve some of our newer healthcare um, uh, problems that we're seeing. And where we're headed in healthcare requires um, the the process of digging through large amounts of data and information. So, um, finding solutions around artificial intelligence to dig through large amounts of data to transform it into healthful helpful health information but also moving it into a space where it's personalized. So no longer are we just generalizing a treatment for diabetes, but now it's it's personalized for an individual on based on their health, their health history, their socioeconomic factors, their ability to um, uh, uh, manage allergies and other social and health conditions. So now we're moving into personal care, which requires much more Um, Technology and much more information, but personalized and and precision. We call it precision medicine.
3: Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, Miriam. Uh, Yes, I would like to add to that uh, the question of how do you decide where to innovate and Mm -hmm. where to invest in terms of your innovations is a key issue that a lot of particularly established firms really have to deal with. Um, As important as innovation is, but where do you know and how do you know where and what to innovate with. Uh, That's where this whole concept of experimentation comes into play. A lot of organizations nowadays have to be prepared and have the open mind that they are going to start experimenting with ideas. Some of them are going to work well and are going to lead into uh, return on their innovation in different ways by either return on investment dollar-wise or return on uh, in terms of learning. Remember, we talked about learning on an ongoing basis is extremely important. And experimentation and timely feedback on the outcomes of those experimentations is a very effective way for learning, organizational learning, as well as deciding where to continue with innovation.
0: Hmm. Yes, on. and um, at Manhattan Associates, we, uh, we're a public software company. We we have most of the tier one retailers as our customers and the big gorilla in the room is always Amazon. And what are they doing? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we partner with our customers and and come up with innovations that we see that will help them stay competitive in this market. Retail is a tough, tough market right now. Um, we have done in the last year, we've done a huge amount of innovation within our R&D group to, you know, move move our customers forward and um, ensure that we're, you know, looking at the trends and um, the technology movement, you know, big move into cloud. Our customers want to um, take away a lot of the burden of managing the IT and the overhead of that in their retail situation. So, you know, Manhattan has really been at the forefront of innovating and pushing those innovations um, so that, that the retailers can keep
1: up. Okay. Wow. Um, and I mean, I it's really interesting to hear all of the, just the innovation and how passionate each of you are about these different industries. I mean, they're all interconnected with the technology, but I was wondering personally how you each got involved with these different industries and how you, have I guess, niched down and found these passions for yourselves. I mean, Miriam, would you like to start?
3: Uh, it Sort of. I've been an educator um. Uh, all my professional life. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. And I'm very excited about what I do because, uh, frankly, you are, by uh, educating individuals, you're really shaping the future in terms of where business and industry is going. And I feel extremely fortunate to be uh, in a leadership role as the dean at uh, Georgia Tech's uh, Business College. I got into this line of work because um, particularly in the area of uh, technology and the intersection of business and technology, I'm extremely excited about this area. And this is a fast moving area that provides tremendous opportunities for women Mm -hmm. and men. So being in a role of preparing these uh, brilliant and talented men and women to lead in the brave tech driven world of the future uh, is truly exciting.
1: Yeah, I love that it's fostering the next generation, and you—I mean, using everything that you've learned and helping those who are, you know, up and coming really experience it. So maybe they don't have to go through the same. Um, I mean, they would still face some obstacles, but you—you've been there before, so you can help guide right. them through it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Connie, how about yourself? Um,
0: you know, when I started out, I really didn't know I was going to get into software. I always liked the whole problem solving and optimizing. I had my undergraduate degree in. in operations research. And then I, as I got into business and started working, and I you know, kind of gravitated towards supply chain and, mm. and the business problems that they're solving there. And I also saw how computers were changing that world. And I uh, went back and got my master's degree in computer science and brought the two together. I've been primarily in supply chain space most of my career on the software side. And just my personality is always about kind of optimizing, making it better, and, um, that's, you know, that's key to these retailers. Their margins are really tight and how can we improve their operations and make them, um, make them perform better so that they, you know, get the customers in keep the customers and focus their investments in the right place.
1: Yeah. So I love that you had the, your, your, love of, your love of problem solving, but yeah. then, I mean, could, did you ever really see yourself getting into this space that you're in now with, I mean, using that to help retailers? I mean, just, it's, it's kind of no, funny. It,
0: it, <laughs> it, it. You know, I didn't really think about it. I do like to shop and, you know, it is <laughs> it is interesting in the in the retail world. Um, there's a lot of men in this world. When I go to the different retailers, I, I went to Ann Taylor and there, you know, a lot of men sitting around the table at their corporate headquarters. And, you know, I think that's, an, you know, one of the areas I'm passionate about in addition to this, in yeah. addition to the technology is getting more women involved and you know, who's doing all the shopping in the homes? It's right. the women. Yeah. So, you know, there's a ton of opportunity for women in retail and the corporate side of retail and the business side of retail. And, you know, we we just need to get out there and, and get ourselves more involved in those businesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I love that. And it's, I mean, it's, it is interesting that it would be male dominated if yeah. women are primarily the yeah. ones that are yeah. shopping at those establishments. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> And it's just the nature of IT that you know I've seen primarily men. So it's not you know any one company, any one retailer. It's everywhere I go. Right. There's just so many. You know, it's just so male dominated, and um, I'm sure you see it in healthcare as well. Oh, IT yeah, and and, and um, in in our you know my son is a computer science major at Georgia Tech, and I ask him about number of women in his classes, and it's just few. So you know, it's. Um, it's it's just the nature, and we need to change it. It it definitely needs to swing in the other
1: direction more. Absolutely. Um. And Denise, you want to piggyback off that? Sure. <laughs> um.
4: I've always been interested in healthcare, and 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 then I began to move into the health technology space, looking and working with electronic health records, and that that space. Um. From a regulatory um, perspective, nationally, most providers are now adopting technology, and my my passion was really around helping um, providers understand the change in workflow that was needed to improve um, healthcare, but also translating some of those complex technical requirements that a provider may not understand, and also the regulatory requirements Mm -hmm. where nationally they were required to implement technology. So all of that kind of came together at the right time for me, and I just knew I was in the right place at the right time. And where I am now is um, also in the role that I'm doing um, for my business, but also serve as the chair for HIMSS North America. And HIMSS is Mm -hmm. our health technology association with almost, um, we're approaching rapidly, almost 100,000 members across the globe. Wow. And I'm the first woman of color um, to be the chair. So yeah. I have a unique opportunity to champion not only um, women into our industry, but also more minorities, um, more uh, millennials, um, because we have a major shortage of skilled healthcare, health IT professionals right now, and there's a there are so many unique opportunities in our our industry. But um, now I'm in a position to to speak about that and encourage more women and minorities to uh, participate.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And why do you think that there is a shortage of health uh, healthcare IT professionals?
4: Well, traditionally in healthcare, we the traditional careers have been physicians, nurses, the, the careers okay. we are mostly uh, familiar with. And then we bridged into um, the computer science majors who may not have had the healthcare experience and now we're talking about advanced technologies of artificial intelligence, virtual reality, managing large amounts of data to make healthcare decisions. There has to be a marrying of the health technology, healthcare um, knowledge, and the computer science knowledge, and mm-hmm. bringing those groups together. And that hasn't caught up with the demand of the industry yet.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So it's just the bringing of those two separate, disparate things together, but they're not. I mean, they come together as healthcare IT and that's much needed.
4: Yes. And also the um, educational um, institutions have also, Mm -hmm. they have a need to uh, catch up their curriculums to be in front of the newer technologies that are um, happening. So they're... um, many opportunities right now in our our part of the
1: industry. Wow, that's that's great. And uh Jen, you want to Sure. Up? So yeah.
5: I guess my background's a lot like Connie's. Um I actually I'm on my third career, I suppose. <laughs> I started in corporate America as a software developer. I loved puzzles as a kid. I got talked into taking computer science classes in high school in 1984, so I just told you how old I am. <laughs> Um, which led to my majoring in computer science and mathematics in college, which led to software development in corporate America and early stage management positions there. And I got the startup bug in 1997, the uh, kind of web 1.0 wave, joined uh, as co-founder and chief technology officer, the largest .com in Atlanta, headquartered in Atlanta at the time. And, and rode that wave for five years. That company was acquired by a major search engine on the West Coast and just continued to do startups. Um, circa 2008-2009, I got into this next wave of my career. Um, I kept going to startup events and not seeing any women in the room. So specifically technology startups, It was like me and six other women in town that had anything to do at a a senior level position in any of these startups, whether chief marketing officer, chief technology officer, CEO. You'd go to an event and there'd be 300 people in the room and six women. You'd go to an event and there'd be 50 people pitching their idea on stage in front of venture capitalists for money. And not a single woman would get on stage. So I got really passionate about why are women not involved in this part of the technology ecosystem, startups in specific. And I launched a nonprofit called Startup Chicks. Um, I ran that organization. I I, I guess technically I still run that organization. It's difficult to do with my day job. Um, But six years ago, I sold my last company and ATDC came to me and said, would you come and coach companies? So I sold uh, my last startup in 2011, joined ATDC as a coach, as a catalyst, coaching other entrepreneurs. And I like to joke around that every time I try and quit, they promote me. So now I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but now I look at my life as um, instead of being an entrepreneur, instead of a technologist, I serve other entrepreneurs. And it's, it's wow. my job and my staff's job to wake up every day and think about innovative ways to help our companies move the needle.
1: Yeah.
5: Um, you know, like I said earlier, we, you know met with 2,700 entrepreneurs this year, unique across the state of Georgia. That means we probably heard 2,700 ideas. Wow. Um, so <laughs> so Jen, to are you down.
0: seeing a change in the number of women?
5: Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited. Some of our statistics go along the lines of, so six years ago, when I joined ATDC as a coach, we had two women in what we call our signature program. And that's the top tier. They're pre-million dollars a year in revenue so they're very early stage but they typically have some funding and are starting to scale and grow. So, you know, 6 years ago out of the roughly 35 to 40 companies we had two female CEOs, no female CTOs. Today we have six female CEOs and one female CTO. So, we we are seeing that transition. We are seeing a change. We we um and I don't know that we're driving it so much as being open to it and and trying to cultivate relationships. So we do try and do events like quarterly just for those women um, to get them together and and have conversations and do roundtable discussions and things like that. But we are definitely seeing a change. in in the last six
1: years, so excited about that. Yeah, and that's great. And I mean, I think you all touched on that too. It's breaking, trying to break into these industries, and it's not just um, entering into the technology industry, but trying to grow to be leaders in these industries. Um, and Miriam and uh, Jen and Connie too. You guys, you all touched on um, how you know being not that many women are in taking technology courses, majoring in IT, whatever those um you know those groups are. So, how do you guys think um with, you know, buzzwords being thrown around like diversity and inclusion across different organizations. Um, What specific actions would need to be taking to get women more involved in um, technology jobs? And I mean, maybe it's starting at the universities, trying to get them involved and getting them to major in certain things. And it's not, again, not just getting them involved, but how do they grow in those positions to leadership? Go ahead, Jen.
5: Um, I think this is why something like wit girls is so important because mm-hmm. it's not really about college. If if they're not already still in science and math in high school, they're not going to be able to catch up and do science and math in college. Mm-hmm. So it is it is K through twelve. It is probably middle school. My my personal belief is it's middle school where we need to focus our energies and okay. get more more young girls involved um, during the summer. I host probably eight different girl summer camps just for a day at ATDC where we bring them in and we show them uh, the facility. We show them drones and robots and 3D printers and all that sort of stuff. Then we have them meet with female CEOs and female CTOs who tell their story. And then we break up and we do this exercise where they form their company their company in teams in the afternoon, and then they have to present it at the end of the day. It's wow. kind of ATDC at for the girls who code folks and, and all the different summer camps. And they tend to be around 13 to 16 years old. And I think that's a really sweet spot for it.
0: Yeah. I also think it's important you know, for the men to, to be part of this um, and the fathers. I work with a lot of men who you can just see the change happening in their mindset as their daughters are growing up. Are encouraging them in these these fields. they see the benefit of these fields. Um, I know that was important to me. My father was 25 years at IBM and I was exposed to a lot of stuff and, and nobody made the comment, oh, this is not for girls or you know I just I just had it around me and I was lucky that way. But I don't think a lot of other you know a lot of girls out there have that encouragement. So it's important that you know, just like Jen said, we do it in the schools early, but we're also, you know, at home, Um, encouraging um, that the girls are looking at this as a field and, you know, I'd sit with my dad and do my calculus homework all the time. And, you know, my mother just didn't have that, uh, that background, so she couldn't help me. And and my father always encouraged me. So I just think that's something else to really think about. And the men in the companies too, um, encouraging and helping women get into leadership roles is, is critical. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great point, um, Mary. Do you want to? Yes,
3: I would like to add to that in terms of. Well, first of all, I'm uh, delighted to let you know that uh, Georgia Tech awards the highest number of uh, engineering degrees to women and yeah. underrepresented minorities in the nation. Uh, we are very proud of that, uh, awesome. and we continue our uh, great programming uh, across Georgia Tech and at the Scheller College of Business. Uh, to encourage women and uh, underrepresented minority to get engaged and uh, to participate. Uh, I do agree that a lot of the work needs to start earlier uh, in high school, middle school and high school uh, to provide, uh, to get the basics uh, so that when uh, students and women get into college, they have the requisite knowledge and background to be able to build upon that uh, by uh, continuing in those lines of work uh, which is quantitative and tech-oriented. And the other aspect of that, uh, which is a very important strategy for Scheller College of Business, is we have positioned ourselves at the intersection of business and technology. And this is because of the recognition, as Denise was saying, that not only in healthcare industry, but in almost every other industry, technology is becoming a key driver and a major element for innovation and competition and serving the customers. So as a business school, it is very important that our graduates are truly tech savvy and have uh, an analytical and entrepreneurial mindset. And we incorporate that in our uh, curriculum throughout our undergraduate and graduate program. Uh, That is just the way the world is going to be increasingly operating and uh, you cannot be a business leader if you are not tech savvy and if you don't know how to leverage technology that is changing on a daily basis uh, for getting business and social value out of it uh, for your customers and for your employers and for your community in business. Yeah
1: and i mean it's it's really amazing that um how great georgia tech is and, and i mean to your point connie too i'm um, thinking about that i mean my dad is in it he grew up there or like he, that's where his job is my brother graduated from tech my sister just graduated from tech i mean my family's all always been in technology so when you're so entrenched in it it never occurred to me that women or were underrepresented in that industry it never it really didn't because i you know grew up around it getting help from my dad with homework and everything um and then but then to hear how great georgia Tech is doing and you know it's such a hub in atlanta to helping out but um, to that point, I guess, what else, you know, with the ATDC doing summer programs and helping young girls get involved so early on, but how do you really, I guess, capture them that early? How do you pique their interest? And so you're, you have like robots, um, the 3D printing, all of that stuff is so intriguing to them. So how do you really, if I guess, why is there such a um, a small number of girls that are interested so early on? How do you really capture them that early and keep them interested all the way through college?
5: So I actually believe the most important thing for both young girls and minorities is to put role models out Mm -hmm. there that that look like them that they can think about. I like it's all about telling stories. I really think you know, for uh, a young minority person that's interested in being an engineer, but their parents had never thought of that. For them to be able to every time their parent challenges that, for them to be like, well. You know, Gail did it or Jewel did it, or, you know, to have in their back of their mind, mm-hmm. I saw somebody and I talked to somebody that came from where I'm at and did this great thing, I can do it too. And so I think a lot of it is more um just just putting the idea into their head at that stage that they can do this and showing them people that look like them mm-hmm. that have done this and then um from there, hopefully programs like Wit Girls steps in and provides a longer-term mentor and programming that they can stay engaged in for the next five years. Yeah, Denise? And, and
4: as Jen is mentioning, it is important for us to be visible,
5: um, mm, yeah.
4: to, to help, as she mentioned, let other women see that we are visible, that we are here, and that we've, We've kicked down a few doors to get here. Sometimes we walked into the rooms and we were the only female. We were the only minority there and we are here.
1: Yeah.
4: And so it's important for us to be visible, to participate in with activities and other activities so that our young girls, other women can see that um, there are opportunities and we're, we're everyday people just as they are and we can make it and mm-hmm. we can support each other and encourage each other to, uh, to grow and, and try new opportunities and take risks.
1: I love that. It's, you know, sharing your story. Like you said, you've been there, you've kicked down those doors. And so in sharing your story, it's, you're allowing others to step forward and say, okay, wow, I've, I've seen these obstacles. I, but I really want to be where these incredible women are at. So it's
3: allowing them to see, um, really what you've gone through. I think role modeling and mentoring and supporting is extremely important, but uh, I also suggest that we need to go a little bit beyond that, and that is the concept of sponsorship. Mm-hmm. We need to, in addition to providing advice and role modeling, we need to also provide opportunities for engagement okay. on part of uh, women, girls, and uh, underrepresented minorities, uh, because that is how they can continue their work and uh, truly get immersed in areas that uh, they might not have initially thought about.
0: Mm. Yeah. I I think also the public schools, we've got to make changes there and early on bringing uh, more of the science and math earlier into the curriculum and computer science. It's just has to be part of everything they're doing. Um, You know, Organizations like Code.org are are doing a lot to try to bring that into the schools. And so supporting those types of events, you know, having it part of where these children are going every day is is critical.
2: One of the things that we figured out in the last year um, with the NCR grant, because we were able to take our programming into the underserved community, is uh, access and opportunity. Mm. And even when people have access and opportunity, it does not guarantee success. And so I think for WIT, it's really more having the intentions, like true intentions around um, going in where it's difficult, but then more importantly around some of the, what I would consider um, underserved uh, communities. It's the educators, it's the parents, it's everybody encouraging the young people and particularly the girls. And I think that, you know, I share the story all the time. I grew up on uh, Spruce Street in Stanford, Connecticut, which if you went there now, I went there a few summers ago with my... Um, son who uh, thought we should lock the doors and uh, make sure that we could get out safely. And it was a really um, difficult neighborhood. My mother um, had us in the uh, Catholic school, and that really changed the whole uh, trajectory of my life. But even when I was in these various places, it was everyone who encouraged me along the way. Mm -hmm. And when it was hard, they said, stick with it. And I think that that's the part of everyone who's sitting around this table when you see someone who's definitely struggling or not being in the space of where they could really be successful, finding ways or finding opportunities for them to uh, push forward. Because I think that every time I'm in a space of uh, discomfort, I'm growing. Mm-hmm. But the person may not know that. And I think that it's really uh, all of all of the tech space and even all of the STEM space really taking uh, the stories that you all have and then sharing those and then sharing those with those who you would normally not ever talk to. And I think that that's the part where people are not as comfortable, but that's the part where you've got to uh, figure out ways uh, to advance and and find find the space to be in. I was having a conversation with someone who talked about uh, recruiting for diversity and inclusion. And I said, wherever you're looking, don't look there anymore. You got to find new places. You got to go to uh, spaces where you're not going to be comfortable. More importantly. Uh, particularly for this gentleman, you'll be the only white male in the room. And I think that he, he got it and he ended up finding uh, the perfect candidate. And I think that's where uh, the time and encouragement has to be from the classroom to the boardroom. It really has to be, we, we're, we're, we've got to get outside of the box and for mm-hmm. tech companies and innovation, we should welcome that. And I think that it's the same thing for young girls, particularly um, young girls who I would consider um, there, there's a group that will, that will miss all of this.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: and that's the group that we at least have to put some intention behind, not leaving them um, behind.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I, I I think we've talked about this on this segment before, how um it's easy to search, especially for mentors or even mentees on either side of the spectrum for people who are just like you and when you're looking for people to look up to. But there's so much value in finding someone, like you're saying, who is some looking somewhere that you never even would have thought of before. Um, so to that point, Um, you're offering such great advice for up-and-coming women in technology and just men and women in general um, in just different industries or business people, entrepreneurs. So for each of you, what is the best piece of advice that you have received um, in your careers just since you were younger? Just the best piece of advice that you've received that stayed with you today? Jen, you want to start us off?
5: Sure. So uh, one of my uh, former bosses, CIO, Eric, this one's for you. Eric Flegel, (laughs) if you're listening out there wherever you live these days, this is for you. It was in my first dot .com, and we were getting a lot of negative feedback and a lot of customer service calls and emails and things like that. And he gave me this acronym. It was RAFT, R-A-F-T, Respond and Follow Through. Mm. So you're not always going to be able to fix everything right now, but respond to it, acknowledge the issue, Put together a plan that says I'm going to do these three things, follow through on those three things, and communicate frequently. So respond, rafts, respond, and follow through.
1: I like that. I think everybody wrote that down. (laughs) I like that. That is really good advice, Denise.
4: Uh, The best advice I've received um, is to always protect your reputation. Yeah, maintain a good reputation because the space that we're all in is always very small. And networking and learning um, others and, and doing a good job so that someone can refer you to the next opportunity. And when you get to the next opportunity, you want people around you who feel comfortable working with you and helping and and growing with you. And so protecting and maintaining a good reputation at all times, no matter what gender, skill set, Industry maintaining a great reputation at all times is um, all, has always been the best advice I've received and given to to anyone I speak with.
1: I mean, it's a great piece of advice <laughs> to live by for sure. Connie, how about you?
0: Yeah, early in my career, uh, in one of my first management roles, um, I was tended to be somebody kind of sat back in the meetings and didn't speak up very much. And at one particular situation, I was in, I I got pretty frustrated and I. I spoke my mind, and um, you know, I could see it had an impact in the in the room. And my boss at the time, he was a director. Afterwards, pulled me aside and said, "You need to do that more often. You need to speak your mind." I think mm-hmm. um, women in general, what I see, are tend to be more quiet. It's you know the whole lean in thing. We sit further back from the table in those settings. So you know, definitely, I would tell you know women who are growing up. Growing into leadership roles, speak your mind. Don't don't hesitate, um, and um, just be. A,
3: make sure your voice is heard. Absolutely, that's great, Miriam. Uh, the best advice for me was uh, one that I try to also pass along to others, particularly women. Was don't be a perfectionist. Mm. It will yeah. never be perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean that. I mean that is really <laughs> it's. It's very true. I think like you're saying for women, especially, it's easy to get caught up in all of the details and want everything to be perfect before you even put a product out there. And to, to the entrepreneurial mindset, which seems to be kind of a theme in today's conversation, you can't, you can't afford to do that. You have to just put something out there. You can't wait for it to be perfect because it's never going to be exactly the way, exactly perfect in your mind. You just have to take a chance and put it out there. And I loved all of you guys' advice, you know, respond and follow through, maintain that good reputation, speak your mind and don't be perfectionist anyway I any. was just
2: gonna say on the level uh, on the topic of perfection, this is where I think that we could get more girls actively engaged in science uh, technology engineering arts and math because if they're willing to just try it work just work through it even if it's messy mm-hmm. I think that that's where we'll see a critical change to uh, to girl engagement because sometimes I'm just amazed that I was at an event and The girl was trying to find the perfect shade of blue, and it's like, oh my god, just let it go. If you found a blue, it's 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 good enough. And it's interesting. I have a fourteen-year-old son, and everything is roughly right to him. If it's roughly right, it's good. Okay, (laughs) we're moving on. And I think not that it's always that way, but I think that you have to uh, have a level of confidence that as far as I've gone, it's good enough,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I
2: can move on and make it better in the next iteration. So
1: absolutely. And you're saying with like the level of confidence, it's. Telling your story, letting them know, letting those young girls know, those young boys know, all of them that are up and coming, that it, you've been there before. It's okay to fail. It's okay to push forward. Just put something out there. And it's instilling that confidence early on. Um, well, thank you all so much. I'm, I mean, it's clear why each of you has won an award through what. Um, I loved hearing your stories. And just going around the table real quick for um, any, if you have contact information, social media handles, any of that, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Miriam?
3: Uh, with me, The dean at uh, Scheller College of Business Mm -hmm. at uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, That's uh, where I live.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Connie? Uh, My Twitter handle is ATL Geek Mom, Atlanta Geek Mom, if you want to reach out to me. I like that a lot.
4: And I'm Dee Hines at eHealth Services Group, or you can go to the eHealth Services Group website, or you can go to the G-HIN website, which is uh, G-A-H-I-N.org, and contact us. And you can reach me. (laughs) Nice.
1: Jen? Yeah, so
5: Twitter is probably the fastest and easiest (laughs) way to reach me. I am very um, active on social media. So it's just at Jen, J-E-N underscore Bonet, which is B-O-N-N-E-T-T. Great.
1: Well, thank you all so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. So Sandy, um, just to kind of close us out. Um, I mean, you had I loved everything that you offered, too, especially I love that piece at the end, really instilling confidence and knowing that it's okay to just put something out there. Um, but for you, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I think
2: my um, best mentor who I'll be seeing next week, um James Dallas, he said, if you're not growing, Sandy, you're not going in the direction you need to be going in. Mm-hmm. And so he's 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 definitely one for uh, achieving success, and I've known him a long time. And when I was in um, probably Singapore and I needed some help on something, he offered the advice of uh, being uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And I think it took me a minute to get there. But once (laughs) I got there, I was like, all right, I'm living here now.
1: perpetually in that discomfort. Zone. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, so what's coming up with WIT next? When is the uh, annual WIT Connect signature event?
2: So our WIT Connect event is going to be on June 21st at Georgia Aquarium. And so yeah. we're hoping to see everyone there. And then of course, next week, uh, these four wonderful women will be on the Women of the Year panel. And so we're looking forward to that on the 17th at Magiano's and Buckhead at 7.30 a.m.
1: Nice. And can you um, get tickets or reserve seats for any of this? Absolutely.
2: Go to mywit.org and you'll see all of their lovely faces right on the front page. Mm,
1: That's so exciting. And um, is the best way to get in contact with you then at mywit.org as well?
2: Uh, At mywit.org is the perfect place. And of course, for me, it's um, on Twitter, STD Welfare.
1: Well great. Thanks so much Sandy for bringing these incredible women in today thank you. and thank you for co-hosting. Um and until next month, we'll see you guys next time on Atlanta Business Radio.